I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. With me this morning is Julie Hansen, who is a registered dietitian. And Julie, this is the time of year when a lot of people have given up on whatever that New Year's resolution was that they were trying to accomplish. And I think it's really kind of a time to think about what is it really to eat healthy and what happens when you do something like skip meals. But before we just dive in, I'm kind of wondering... What have you seen as the latest fads this year? I think we still have the intermittent fasting going on um, and still keto. That just seems to be still one of the the hot fad diets that people are doing. I don't know that I've seen a lot of other things creep up. But in one of our classes that we teach at Weber State, we do go over some of the fad diets and we haven't really added a lot of new things in the last six months. So yeah, so we've really seen a lot of new things yet. Yeah. What do you <clears throat> see as being really the dangers of these fad diets? Well, you know, the one thing is that we have to look at that dieting is not something that should be taken lightly because it can actually start eating disorders. And that's how the majority of eating disorders start or it can at least at the very least start disordered eating. And then when we look at the actual ability of them to work long term, just can do a lot of psychological damage to people. And, you know, it just seems like when you undereat, you're going to overeat eventually. And if you restrict a certain food, you're going to want it eventually. So I always kind of take the non-diet route. I just think that learning to manage food and plan food is a much better way to go than to go on a diet. But we also do see when people go on a diet, they sometimes start planning their food. <laughs> right. So that's probably one reason, you know, that people might see some changes. Right. It seems like the, the planning is the most important part, whether you're dieting or whether you want to eat healthy. The planning seems to be mm-hmm. the key. I agree. So right. how do we plan? We are so busy. And I have tried to, like, do meal planning on Sundays because it's really the only afternoon I have to do some meal planning. Mm-hmm. But we are so busy. Well, how should we be meal planning? What should we be looking at when we go to the grocery store? What kinds of things should be on our list? Maybe that's where we need to start. Maybe not just, you know, planning a whole week's worth of meals, but talking about what should be on our grocery list. Yeah. So I always, I mean, I, I think people can kind of develop their their ways to manage the food. I also think that some of these new, you know, food delivery services could be something or even like citrus pear, beehive meals, you know, things like that, that sometimes can help people get started if they're in a really busy time. So I sometimes recommend those to help out. And they can be very cost effective too. So 
But yes, at the grocery store. So again, I always kind of like to build, you know, it depends on if you're a vegetarian or not, but some sort of protein that you need to kind of build your meal on. And so, you know, we tend to, to circulate between fish and chicken and, you know, what, what kinds of protein foods do you want to include? And then, of course, your vegetables, which ones of those? And, you know, honestly, frozen is just as nutritious as fresh. So if you're the type that ends up buying fresh vegetables but throws them away, maybe you want to start looking at frozen vegetables because those can be cooked really easily and they can you can add seasonings to those and that can be a great way to get your vegetables in and also those salad kits can be another way to do that i do like you know again fresh or frozen fruit can be the same thing so frozen fruit there's a lot of great options there and so sometimes that might be the best and then a lot of other protein sources eggs and dairy are just some other great ways to get that protein intake in you know cottage cheese yogurts you know, some sort of milk, that usually is a good way to get your protein in as well. And then if you, in the bread aisle, I tend to look for whole grains as much as possible to really focus on that. Are carbohydrates really the villains, I guess is what I want to ask. No, they're not. So at least half of your calories can come from carbohydrate sources. And that's just because the way our bodies are kind of aligned. I mean, it's our fast fuel and it's also the only type of fuel that our, well, the majority of fuel that our brain, our red blood cells, and our central nervous system utilize. I mean, I know the brain sometimes can handle ketones as well, but it's an adaptation. It's not the best way for our body to function. So carbohydrates are not the villain. And, and it's just so curious to me how that keeps coming around. I guess people think they're going to easily overeat them. But again, if they're part of your diet and you're eating adequately, people tend to overeat less. So again, by by restricting and under eating, you're going to cause this need to to want to overeat. And so that's always kind of a hard thing because your body just needs fuel at a constant rate. So, Right. Talk about meals. Should we be having three meals a day? Should we ha- be having three meals and a couple of snacks? What should that really look <clears throat> to be eating healthy? Yeah, I think most people do really well with structure. I, I think structure is is a really good plan. Um, I know some people might be able to get by with grazing throughout the day, but I think those are few and far between. So I do like the three meal approach and supplementing with snacks. I don't think, you know, if, if you're not overeating, you're probably going to be hungry again every, you know, two to four hours. So I kind of hate for people to go over four hours without eating. So I think that puts you in better control. That keeps your blood sugar more stable. And then you can make better decisions. Because if you skip a meal and you get too hungry, you don't care what you're eating. <laughs> I, think I think often, too, people to... think, oh, hey, I've eaten too many calories today, so I better not eat dinner tonight. But that may not be the best um, plan. No, no. Um, your, your body may just even just adjust naturally for that. So if you feel too full and your body's not that hungry, then maybe you can just have a smaller dinner or just kind of make a, a heavier snack. So I kind of like the body to also give those cues as well. Because I know sometimes if I eat lunch out, then I'm not as hungry for dinner as I normally would be. So that's just kind of a natural evolution that happens. So sometimes people may find themselves, you know, in that situation if they eat out a lot for lunch. Right. But skipping dinner probably isn't the best idea because then things are out of balance again, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes people don't sleep very well if they're hungry. So 
That's right. You wake up at two o'clock in the morning and your stomach is yes. growling, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think sometimes people get confused between skipping meals and intermittent fasting. Maybe you could tell us the right. difference and uh, what you think of that. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. The intermittent fasting, you know, it's interesting because the first time in medical literature that that was used was in reference to eating disorders, to anorexia. So I do think intermittent fasting, I really do, and I'm probably going to step on toes here, but I think it's a form of disordered eating. I don't think we need to fast more than overnight. I think it's a way people use to control their calories. So I'm not a big fan. Julie, if you were to pick something that people are doing wrong and where they really get caught up and start overeating, would there be something specific you would point out that if people would just change this one or these one or two things that they would just be healthier and be eating healthier? I think diet culture is a real big problem. Like, again, I think dieting is the number one reason that people actually can gain weight sometimes, you know. So I think like tossing out diet culture and just focusing on planning your foods and your meals and foods that that sound good to you. Because if you're dieting, there's going to be a smaller variety of food to pick from, which may not lead to true satisfaction if you're trying to cut out certain foods. So I think um, focusing on planning and, and getting maybe that evening meal planned, because normally what you fix at home is probably going to be a lot better than what you're going to eat out. So just focusing on getting food on the table, um, and then I think everything else can kind of fall in place. Because if you have, if you know what you're having for dinner and you're looking forward to it, it's sort of worth saving your appetite for. So I think it really can just help you with that structure. I mean, I don't know about you, but like if I have something in my crock pot, I'm like, oh. I just feel so on top of the day, right? <laughs> and you're so excited to go home and eat whatever's exactly. in the crock pot, right? Yeah. Well, number one, it's already done. And two, it's something that I enjoy. So I think food needs to be something that we enjoy again. And, you know, I think we need to be um, really, you know, really managing our eating and really making sure that we're feeding ourselves predictably. So I think that's, you know, eating should be joyful and, and, it, and it doesn't need to be bounded by fear. <laughs> we always hear that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Is breakfast the most important meal of the day? Well, I mean, some people are not big breakfast eaters. I think something needs to be eaten in, in the morning. I do think that's important. I don't know. Is it the most important yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I always know. see those little things. Breakfast is the most important yeah, meal of the day. Right. I think for kids it probably could be because 
the one thing you have to look at, like especially for kids, they you know, especially during school, they've got to rush out the door. They don't have an opportunity to eat at ten or eleven. They've got to eat, you know, when they get they can get fed. So for them, I think breakfast would be important because their next meal is not going to be till three or four hours later. For adults, if they're sleeping in or whatever, and you know, maybe they just have a snack and then they eat lunch a couple hours later. So, you know, it, it kind of depends. But I I do think especially for kids, it's probably really important. Mm-hmm. How about eating dinner too late? Is that a thing? Mm, no, no. The only problem would be if what we found, what, you know, eating after seven or whatever, I know that can be a food rule, but a lot of the, the research behind that is when people didn't eat throughout the day and then they'd eat all their calories at night. So if you're spreading out your food intake and then eating just kind of a normal meal at night, that's not a big deal. You know, eating needs to work for people. Like we can't, you know, it just needs to fit their schedule. So, yeah. I think that is so important. I, do you think we just get too caught up in worrying about mm-hmm. the sugar and we the make carbohydrates? It too complicated. Yeah, we make it complicated. And then we're just eating all the bad things because we've given up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you just kind of give up after a while. It's like, well, I don't know what to eat, so I'll just eat whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other advice you'd like to give folks? Um, yeah, I just think be careful if you have a family, you know, with kids, just, you know, we don't want to make food good or bad, um, because then the kids kind of think they're good or bad. So just be careful of that and just serve a variety of foods. And, um, yeah, just, just make dinner kind of maybe a new goal. Julie, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.